Hearing about other cultures is fascinating, especially when it comes to sex. Today we talk with international storyteller and humanitarian Andrew McGregor about his experiences in the international mating pool and how it compares to dating in America. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries of TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored and enthralled to be here. Thank you for being here. We're totally calling you King Drew today. I love this. Because I'm, your website is uh, mightykingdrew.com. So that's that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Did someone call you King Drew? Uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story if you want to hear it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I do this sport called chess boxing, which is alternate rounds of chess and boxing. You win by checkmate or knockout. It's kind of like a time chess game interrupted by boxing rounds. And I founded the LA Chess Boxing Club. So um, cool. a few years ago, I was walking down... Spring Street in downtown LA, which is a lovely street with many incredible galleries, mm-hmm. and there's a haberdasher there. So I stepped inside, and we we're talking for about 20 minutes, and he's just like, I'm going to make you a crown. I'm like, huh? Wait, like, wait, I'm sorry, a haberdasher? A man who makes hats. hats. Oh. Mm. Mm. And then I was like, oh, yeah? He was like, yeah. I was like, all right. So he's like, come back in two days. So you know, he was <laughs> true to his word, and I was true to mine, and he made me a crown. And I was like, whoa, a crown. So when someone makes you a crown, you just you roll one with must it. wear it and roll with it. So I would like wear it to the grocery store and the woman in produce would curtsy and say, hello, my liege. No way. Um, and <laughs> Wonderful. It, you know, it just became this thing. And then through the magic of social media, other artists from around the world started mailing me crowns. <laughs> So I have like 17, like I have a crown from Ukraine and from Kentucky. And well, my question is, why aren't you wearing a crown right now, um, King Drew? You know, it's okay. It's, it's a okay. Thursday. It rests on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, so that's where the Mighty King Drew came from was artists making me crowns and me wearing those crowns and chess boxing and all those things. I yeah. do find um, traveling internationally, this is very different from maybe specific to LA, but you know, when someone says come back in two days, um, you do. And then, and like they follow through, like there is this follow through and I, in and other countries. Yeah. I mean, yeah. other than LA. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was about to say, I guess in America too, but, but I found that travel my, in my own travels, there was much more of this, you know, someone had an idea or something and, you know, and they'd say, Oh, well, well, we'll just meet on this date. And you don't have any information about, you know, you're not going to call them. You're not going to double confirm. You don't have an email. You don't have, you know, their last name and yeah. you meet and there they are. Uh, like in yeah. lots of parts of Africa, that's, the well, only it might, way it will happen but it might be like seven hours late but it's going to happen and and the oh, way funny. societies function with that is it's kind of intriguing to be be involved yeah. you have to get used to it but yeah but yeah. i like that it's accountable you know i in had an end. experience in, in well i was saying brazil it was sort of a casual like we're gonna ride horses and i thought yeah 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 Let's that'll never have horses and, and I, yeah you showed up with horses <laughs> <laughs> So, King Drew. Yes. You you've lived a fascinating life. Well, thank you, darling. So you okay? So you, you've tell traveled us, be, begin, everywhere. Sort of tell. So you you're an international storyteller. You've been writing all over the world. You've mm. started with books. You would go to a country, learn a language, and then write a book. Yeah, kind of concomitantly at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Not about sex. Not about sex. Not Maybe there would be no. some sex in it. Kind of, if you're into that thing, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made love and never saw each other again. I like a like, fine erotic novel. It's like the older man in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you wouldn't write the book in the language, would you? Um, oh. I would do some poetry and short stories in the language. Um, yeah, it would depepper it on the language and how... Maybe pepper it into right. the book. How, Makes sense. 
or no, I would, know. I would do like short stories independently in the language I was learning, kind of like you know, Nabokov is one of my idols, so that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it would depend on the, like Spanish is easier to that, and then sure. like Japanese, of course, and stuff like that. So okay, so you've got all these books. You've you've uh, and now it's gone into screenplays and comic books. So all of your work is on uh, MightyKingDrew.com, or a lot of it. You can find his work there. So tell so this, but this took you all over the world, uh-huh. and so now you have. I mean, what countries have you been to? A wealth of cultural yeah. observations. Um, a, a lot, I, you want me to like list them? or? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the main, some of your main cultural experiences. Yeah, are. so I've spent a lot of time in, in Tokyo and Japan and Buenos Aires, Argentina, and Italy, Czech Republic, Serbia, um, a lot of time in Rwanda, some time in DR Congo, and a lot of time in Kenya, um, in East Africa. And... That, that, yeah. that, that's no, a lot. That's I find in my travels, I'll, you know, you kind of, like I lived in Japan. I did befriend a number of expats in the community, right? And and I had a few friends who were local or native to, to you know, Japan or Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be, I guess, harder to kind of immerse yourself completely outside of your culture. I mean, did you find that in general these places you were in smaller towns or... Um, I, I kind of like just diving in. I know what you're saying there's like the expat community yeah. and um, it's it's valuable. Like one of one of the advice I give to travelers is like if you need an apartment, go to the Irish bar, you know, because <laughs> right, there's right. going to be that like 15 year alcoholic <laughs> guy who works for some fabric distribution company and he will know where to get an apartment. So it's it's, yeah. it's valuable and you need it, but. Um, I, I do kind of prefer to like just do Full the immersion. do the well, otherworldly things. You're not, going to not learn like sh- the language, I mean, so not, not like shunning things. But if you like get into that loop, you become an expatriate with a certain experience in a certain place and time, and you know that leads to great literature sometimes. If it's a scene like you know Paris in the twenties with mm-hmm. Hemingway and Salinger and all that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just like let's go, let's go rock. We're here and let's meet people and I and let's lose those boundaries. It's right. like this is my nationality because it's, it's tribal, right? So it's yes, tribal in like right. a big way, but just it's still tribal. So it's like, yeah, let's meet as humans in a, a new language and see what happens there. You know, I think I that's that. kind of beautiful. And so that has led you to dating people from it these does. cultures <laughs> and like things. having I all kinds. I find that life leads of, to dating. And, you do know. you find there's, um, I guess, curiosity and excitement about dating someone who's other, right? Like you're, there's an exoticizing of, your, of you yeah. in different cultures or does it sometimes take a little while for people to trust? I mean. Uh, that it depends on the person, the culture. the culture. I mean, like to, to speak in very general terms, like Slavic cultures have a more kind of intimate thing, but it takes much longer to kind of get that trust um but in a lot of like kind of i would say spanish speaking cultures you can like bond very quickly with an exquisite dance right and and that happens and then like in japan you're always going to be an outsider a gaijin kind of thing uh, no matter like and i've like known expatriates who became fluent in japanese and they thought that like doing that would make them a part of Japanese society and it's like no it's not going to um because they're always other and there's always that boundary and so like Japan they would kind of sometimes treat me like this I don't know like circus bear just like yeah um because when drinks would come out and be late at night they're just like not even late at night just like 6 p.m just like rubbing my (laughs) belly in this 
Yeah, it was cute <laughs> well, for, let me just tell for a few days, but then it became like, you're objectifying me. Um, <laughs> so King Drew is like, you're like 6'5". Like he's I'm tall. 6'9 and 3 quarters. I was oh, going wow, to say okay. you're definitely you taller six, than 6'5". You five. stick out, you know. I'm Indeed. Beautiful, bearded, you know, blonde. He-man. <laughs> seven foot he-man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's yeah. that's, I, I suppose if I was Japanese and... Um, and you came into my bar, I would rub your belly too. Right. Oh, I thank would. You. Yeah, you would. Yeah. You would be objectified for sure. Mm. So, King Drew. <laughs> yes. From all of your experiences in all of these countries with all these different women, you're heterosexual. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, what? How does this compare to? Like, would you? Would are you still drawn to Americans? Would you still date an American? What's your? Or are you like hell no? Or eh, or you know? How, um, where are you right now with that? I'm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much. Yeah, I mean, if it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Um, when it makes sense, it makes sense. Yeah, uh, but but I do kind of appreciate and need a, a companion and lovers with kind of a broader experience, just so we can we can talk and we can have a similar vocabulary, you know. Right. Um, and you don't often get that with kind of American lovers, but you know there are differences and all that. But yeah, like learn someone who's like taking the energy to go somewhere and learn a language just vibes with me better emotionally than someone who thinks that's a repulsive waste of time yeah so we had mentioned we had talked about the puritanism Mm. of american culture that and sort of was a really stuck out to you yeah and could you talk a little bit about um yeah so when one returns um i think the salient example of this is the word love um like in I have a lot of friends who've like said love and lived to regret it. And I don't think that's a, a healthy thing. Cause um, in a, a lot of American dating circles, like you say love, it's, it's that bond. It's, it's almost kind of a binding contract. Sure. It's a new level. It's right. It's like, yeah. well, here's the mortgage. You said love last week. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, 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 that's not really what the word means to me. And it has a lot of variance and can mean many things. And, you know, what, what's been your experience around the world with with that? It's awesome to say like I love you and and, and yeah, and it's just not like, be ob- and it's obliged. Joy. And it's, to, yeah, it doesn't have that kind of hammer coming down of well, now it's on. And right. It's like, well, we were talking a little bit of about like um, Latin American cultures being quicker to say I love you or mm-hmm. this is I love this I love you I love the moment I love the moment yes yeah <laughs> um, and I feel like I've seen that as well like in Colombia where my family's from. Um, and maybe I've learned a little bit of that. Uh, but then I don't know. How about how about sort of the more Slavic countries or Japan? Um, yeah, if you say I love you to someone, and again, generalizing most Slavic cultures, it'd be like distrustful and like, ugh. Like, you know, really? It's not like, yeah, it's... It's like, what it's do you want? Yeah, like it would huh. create distrust pretty quickly. You don't see people like smiling on the streets and like... How do you do? Uh, it's like considered disingenuous and mm, odd behavior. So but you really would only love those who are like, you know, really close to you and it's a ser- more serious. Well, as you mentioned, that you, I mean, you said that it, it can take longer, right, to gain the trust or intimacy with um, someone from that area of the world. Do you find that once there has been that binding, there are greater expectations of, of commitment to each other? Um, commitment? Or the jealousy. We talked a little bit about how jealousy works in different... I mean, like, the Czech Republic is a very... It's an atheist nation, and then you have Poland nearby, which is a Catholic nation. So I think those kind of emotional, religious 
influences. Undercurrents kind of affect the nature of the relationships in those two countries. What people expect. And like Serbians are much more akin to like Russians where like, you know, the men are expected to be violent and the women like almost don't respect them if they're not a bit violent and like weird kind <laughs> of neurotic things like that. Um, but yeah, but I think they all kind of share that. It takes longer to become close to someone characteristic, but then what that means in people's relationships has cultural variances and religious variances and stuff like that. You have spent some time in Africa. I have. I have no clue what that would be like. I mean, were you in big cities? Were you in small tribes? Uh, or? All, all of it, yeah. It's like, Can you talk about your experience there? I know, I, I mean, it, I, I just read articles about there's like non-monogamy is a big thing and mm-hmm. there's all sorts of different like you know kids being taught from the age of six to be sexual so it seems to be quite actually sexually liberal but i don't know if that's everywhere or if these are just these unique places that people like to write about oh uh, it's it's more pr- i mean you're talking about this amazing continent but it's not continent but it's not like a weird exception where it's like well i went to the Nor tribe and found that they practice polygamy and have no need Mm -hmm. for guilt. Um, It's like that kind of thing isn't there. Uh, Yeah, polygamy is fine in most parts that I've been. Um, Or even if not like a codified marriage through polygamy, then like people have other lovers and stuff like that. Uh, The the problem with it, as was explained to me by an African man once, is it's expensive to have more wives. Mm. Um, So it's not not even like the can I do it, like, you know, Americans are like he he I'm getting away with something or something like that. Right. It's just like yeah, that's going to be another that's four grand right. a year, to, <laughs> another mouth to feed. To, who will create more mouths to feed? To, and that that's this is somewhat changing um, based on kind of urbanization and agriculture shifts and stuff like that. Because um, you do need kind of children to maintain the families labor force and wealth in certain parts. So that leads to polygamy. Well, there also- um, or there's also like cultural polygamy, and then there's also just like general. We're grateful to be alive. Kind of, let's love each other, and like I'm not gonna worry about have the small a two-day fight because of some other girl kind of right. mentality. Yeah. Well, that leads me to, I mean, the, this notion, the notion of jealousy, mm-hmm. is a big thing here in America. I mean, marriages are destroyed, huge empires. I mean, look at you know, if you look at the tabloid stuff, it's like someone cheats once and you break the whole family apart. And it's right. Like, it's just like uh, yeah. That's a lot. I feel like life you know? is really long, <laughs> so to have that kind of <laughs> disruption <laughs> over a small offense is, or to me, it's a small offense. But but yeah, yeah I'd say that American well, culture, the T and, and I, again, I think Puritanism. Are, yeah, we're sort of an exception. We're we're exceptions to the rule. Well, yeah, right. No, no. no rule but, in America, well, but, but an American cultural assumption that it's wrong. And I would say when I was younger, I very much had a lot of discomfort around sure, that. Sure, I did too. Of, and, I was and also, the typical American jealous girl because that's what you're taught to be. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Or I had strong <laughs> ideas of like betrayal as well. I'd be like, and then he did this, <laughs> you know? and then and I and I'd be like, inflammatory. That's unacceptable. Like he's disrespecting me. I think that's a big issue in America too this idea of one's actions are um like interpreting it as specific to you like being an offense on you yeah yeah that it's a personal attack whereas often someone's just trying to live their life and and maybe you are involved with them so you experience some of the flack but yeah I think I think jealousy is tightly connected to ownership uh, yeah which is a deranged concept for me uh so I'm just like baffled by it yeah you do see these (laughs) High-profile divorces and yeah, you know, well, like, and you also see it not high-profile. I mean, wait, but oh, oh, just right, like the, the small touching but, on with jealousy and ownership. Uh-huh. I mean, it immediately mm-hmm. makes me think of you, like you. So we we're just talking about you know 
African culture having more marriages and like having more wives. Um, and I was thinking of if it's sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, mm-hmm. but it made me think of um, I feel like Americans view these other cultures as ownership right like oh this is an ownership situation like men are buying women and did that but i feel like we have these undercurrents happening here which is probably even ownership. stronger than these other cultures right without right, talking about it which is not you know a monogamous ownership right. an expectation that now you know we've pinned each other down it is, that's true yeah it's just peculiar that you can like make love and like there's a whole legal system that will just destroy an empire if it's yeah, it's yeah. What's the what's the um, cultural temperature around jealousy elsewhere? I, I mean, you know, men are men and women are women. Um, could you be a little more specific? I mean, like, is how is it ex- is is our? Well, I would say the that. other cultures you spent time in uh-huh. are, are they very they jealous or yeah. is it more like oh well they're going to do it and she's going to do it and whatever and you just kind of uh, America's like the most it. kind of ravenously jealous culture I've. Hmm. Ever well, there's an or. assumption that Latin American cultures are very jealous. Yeah, it's like or a passion very possessive. Jealous, and it's like, yeah, you it do have flares like, and it dies. Right, you get over it and move forward. It it seems to be more of like a mortal blow to a relationship within the United States. Yeah, you do have kind of like the passion that there's maybe thing greater and, repercussions. Yeah, it's just like it, it leads to vengeance. I guess. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, Again, like, this idea of you did something to me, and now I'm gonna do it back to you. Well, Which I guess you, you'll have in other places, but it is should. pretty pronounced in America. Like, in the way the culture is like, yeah, I, I look at the the Schwarzenegger thing, right? It's yeah. just he was mm. Arnold, you know, doing what Arnold would do, and it's like Maria's gonna, I'm gonna, you know, have you for that. And, yeah, no, and a, they get a real revenge like, culture. Well, Not and sure. I think also there's a lot of this is going a little bit. Off, we could do a whole show about jealousy. It's something I'm very passionate about because I, I think it's ridiculous, but. Um, but I think I there is with it. there's uh, pressure. I think too, like for someone like Maria, who uh, like if you don't do something about it, you you're you're humiliated. you're being a, a mat for your well, you know husband. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the so sisterhood's like, like get him. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and if like, you don't, then you're weak. <laughs> No, but but I think we're hitting on this idea of like a revenge culture. I mean, this is like, you know, an eye for an eye kind of philosophy that that maybe is permeating American culture. I mean, and then I think of all these movies like people love a revenge movie in America. (laughs) I don't I'm not supporting it. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I'm rolling my eyes. Not at you to it. Like, ugh. but you know what? I mean, it's so messy. I think you're right. Like religion plays such a large part in how uh, every culture is looking at things. And then, of course, we've gotten you know you have religion spreading across countries so you know when i think of france i mean there is jealousy and possessiveness you know i think people would say the men are very possessive of the women in france um maybe also italy you know and catholicism is a big part of italy Uh, but about a decade ago the was it but now we have chirac's funeral like his mistress was two seats down from the first lady so there i mean yeah again that's more of like a, a well, very have, socially codified acceptance of a non-monogamous culture, even within. Yeah. Well, something that I think is interesting is also class distinction as well. And in, in every culture, like like the higher classes tend to have more freedom from the rules, the moral codes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also. No, I forgot. Continue. <laughs> no, I had one other thought on it. <laughs> um, oh, religion. But also. Um, no, no, no. I don't know. <laughs> It'll it, come it was, back. Yeah, it was a good thought. <laughs> King Drew, you had you had sort of in line with, with uh, marriage and jealousy and all this. You had your experience in J- was it Japan, yeah. where you talking about societies and structures and everything. You had mentioned something I've never heard of, where it's you can be openly gay and homosexual, for example, but as long as you're married, 
if you're married, it's okay. If you're not married, it's not. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, and the reason for, again, like speaking broadly, but yeah, sure. that's generally, is it's a kind of shame honor culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so your internal world isn't significant. It's avoiding public ridicule and presenting a good public face. Mm-hmm. And so if you're internally a homosexual um, and you're married, then your public face is all good. And I, from my time there, I knew like a lot of kind of gay married guys. Um, and I, I, I can't speak to like the contentment of the wives and all that, but like sure. they were, you know. Actually, I just read an article happy. that yeah. there's now a site for um, married women to, or there's been a boom of married women in Japan pursuing uh, lovers kind of in the afternoon. In Japan. <laughs> yeah, almost like an Ashley Madison for Japan, hmm. um, which that was a big rise. Yeah, and they were saying that the um, advent of the internet has allowed Japanese women this greater freedom because they can do it from the safety of their home mm-hmm. kind of in secret and and yeah and I guess I found when I was in Japan at least with I was there with a boyfriend who was working in business so he had a lot of male friends and we'd all go out I almost was sort of privy to something that you know most women weren't there with them um, but they most of them were married yeah and they're and they're out and they would seek out other women and there was very much of a, a, a yeah no no shame there was no hiding it from us or as long as you're married. about it. <laughs> right. And, and they'll go home that night, I guess, with the wife, you know, mm. in theory. They can uh, do whatever they want. But the interesting thing is the difference between the guilt and the shame. So you were saying there's no guilt around being sexually vital and having a lot of desire and, you know, masturbating or doing X, Y, or Z. Right. In the pri- right in privacy, whereas like in the like Americans would have guilt even in their privacy. Right. Like I think a, particularly American males, I can speak to my experience. My my sexuality and a lot of friends was it's criminalized. Basically, you're, you're taught that you're a potential rapist hmm. um, before you're even taught about love or anything like that. And then in addition to that, you do have a religious sentiment to like con- also criminalize sexuality. So you know if you're a Catholic you'll have that whole thing. Like, I love that John Waters quote that he was so happy he was raised a Catholic, so sex will always be dirty. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you do have those Not kind privilege. of cultural currents that kind of get on you at puberty and, like, until you can kind of, like, see another realm. Like, whoa! Yeah, it doesn't you- have to be that way. But like, it sticks with people, and I think it causes a lot of relationship and emotional issues that we're seeing in our landscape nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned growing up kind of with the no means no philosophy and being having that, not philosophy, but law and having that drilled into you at a young age. Yeah, and it's it's just like, I don't know, you're like 11. It's almost like the D.A.R.E. program, right? Or right. it's like, why, why in God's name would I put a spray paint can into a bag and huff it? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me. And it's like, yeah, here's this evil that you're capable of. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I would say even at a young age, as young women, you know, you're kind of taught... Right, that you're supposed to say no also and like if this happens then you know it's yes. wrong and conserve and defend your sexuality and hold right. it for something special and sacred and you know men are going to try to get something from you so mm-hmm. be on yeah. guard yes <laughs> yeah the be on guard i wanted to follow that thought that what you just mentioned uh how you see are the different things that you see in america resulting from this guilt thing that and my i guess i have two questions yeah one is do you do you perceive America as being the most, like one of the most guilt-ridden or is it, how does guilt in this way, uh, how is it, what does it look like in other cultures? I don't know if if an American feels more guilt than anyone else, but it is, I do find it fascinating that like guilt's a a 
construct that you can be given, right, within your culture. Because people assume it's like part and pol- parcel of human existence. Um, oh, yeah, depending isn't. on the culture, right? I mean, sure. honestly, right. my Jewish friends. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, my, my Jewish friends, like, have lists of things that feel horrible about. And they, like, tell me when something's, like, bumped off their list. Because they <laughs> right. know those 15 things. And it's just like, whoa, that's some, like, next level guilt. Um <laughs> And, you know, that's a culture within the American culture. So I don't know if Americans feel more guilt, per se. Um, I think there's much more guilt around sexuality and sexual issues than other parts of the world. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to. Um, Yeah. Of course, there's other parts of the world where America is like the most liberal thing ever. Um, But, yeah, just... Have you noticed, can I, and this is maybe getting I guess compared to, like, Scandinavians, it's, like deranged but other parts of the world it's in the middle if that makes sense gotcha. yeah, yeah. Okay. well you mentioned yeah. like kind of the violence thing in serbia like almost like men being more aggressive and women expecting it and then there's almost like a loss of respect or even maybe arousal if that's not there and then i don't know there's um you know right americans have almost more this complicated thing going on so you don't really know when you're supposed to or not um i i guess i was interested in uh cultural differences and how do you come together when you're when you meet a different I mean like sex is natural right so people seek it out but you know I found in Japan it was very hard to tell when someone was interested like a, a man I'm you know I'm at dinner with one and I'm going well he invited me I think this is I think it's interest I think he's expressing interest but I can't really tell because he's very maybe boyish and his were flirting. you being aggressive or was he kind of the one who asked and yeah yeah it comes down to that of like right I mean you sort of pick up on you like, start are you the gaijin devil who will rock my world and I'll just like sit here or, you know? <laughs> I think I felt like that's what he was thinking I don't think I was aggressive but maybe his projection like, or ah, assumption of America so vulgar and I love it like, <laughs> yeah like right but I don't sushi even with her fingers yeah, right so. I don't even realize I'm being vulgar right yeah yeah these things it's disgusting or the same way that you know <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I had a, a friend, of course, when I was eating, uh, I love Ethiopian food, right? But, you know, I, you're not supposed to eat with your left hand. Um, but oh, I'm, I'm right. left-handed. And it just drives me <laughs> problem. insane. That's it's so frustrating, you know, and she always sort of slaps my hand and says, don't do that. <laughs> Did you, I don't know, do you, what are you, you know, do some stories come to mind of maybe not even realizing someone was into you and then, you know, you walk away and they jump you or something? Uh, yeah, there were like, I mean, when I was living in the Czech Republic, there were like women who were like deeply, deeply connected but i had no idea because it was such a kind of taciturn existence that like without like jokes and smiles i'm, I'm kind of at a loss you assume they're so not flirting like, right but they're just like devoted and connected and it was just like hmm and there was this whole thing built in and i was oblivious to the whole thing that was built in and it's like oh hmm. yeah well because i would and i would say that's because american culture you're gonna do certain like laughing and smiling and touching like all these things indicate more than just like maybe a rich conversation. Right. Where you can have a rich conversation in American culture and say, oh, but we were just talking. You know, but maybe that's sort of brain lovemaking some places. I was just reading an article. I was doing some research for a writing project and um, there, I, I was, well, I can't remember. It's HRAF. Do you guys know HRAF? I don't know, remember what the acronym is. What but is it's something. It's basically, it's, it started in Harvard and it's this organization that, get, that's Gigi, our mascot. Ignore her. Uh, so Gigi's very excited about HRAF from Harvard. <laughs> so HRAF, uh, is, it's, it's a, or it started in Harvard. So they, or they gather all this data from all around cultures and they do cross-cultural comparisons to sort of combat ethnocentrism, ethnocentricity. And one article I read was about kissing and intimate kissing, the kind that w- all gets us hot, I'm presuming. And, um, 
and it was basically saying that about like I think it was fifty six percent of the world actually sees it as a disgusting thing, and only forty six percent see it the way we see it. And uh, so I'm wondering, and in Africa, it was actually a lot of the African cultures uh, were sort of on the camp of like you, they like never intimately kissed. Did you did you come into things uh, like that where it was like, yeah, oh, that's so a no-no. In, in Rwanda, like there's a lot of hand holding between males, mm-hmm. um, and it's just thing like when I would get to a sufficient emotional relationship with like my Rwandan male friends, they would like take my hand. The first time I was like, ah, uh, you know, because <laughs> oh, I was born in the America lands. Uh, but then it was just like, oh, this is. Like almost like being a, a grade school, kind of like cool. Like I'm here with my buddy, and we're walking on the street. Like, and that's just what kind of close males will do with each other is hold hands. You write um, that in American culture, hand holding has a lot of intimacy. Where I just last week I it's befriended a big deal. someone. Everything's a big deal here. No, yeah, but I befriended a woman, and actually we were holding hands, and all of a sudden it had this, you know, and it, and I'm pretty. It was just friendly, familial, but it could. It also, it, yeah, it's just intimacy hmm. at a at a level that we're not used to. Well, that, what's your, so that's interesting, though. It opens up to sort of my curiosity about your experience with um, homophobia. Yeah. Um, Rwanda's not, like, a very tolerant... Rwanda-Uganda, where you would see men holding hands aren't or, terribly... Mm-hmm. homosexuality um, banned there in certain countries? It's hard to uh, keep it There's track. that thing in, in Uganda where this... All right, so the backstory is this kind of... If they're too crazy for America, they send them to Africa, evangelical went over and like really lobbied mm. for, I think it was like a, a death penalty for being gay thing, which then passed. And right, okay. the president's responsible for ratifying uh, Museveni, of course, but it was still this guy like really pushing it. Um, and then that became a point of persecution, all that. But but yeah, it's not like, let's have pride day every day at all but there is kind of the men holding hands with other men um so the, you do have those cultural things and a lot of that i think is connected into the need to reproduce and i think also if you look at like the big picture of russia you can kind of see where that why the babushkas are so homophobic there's mm-hmm. because they like the russian population is dwindling and like you oh, must I make see. children and rah! um yeah well we read that, about love camps going that's on. where i'm kind of that's right i think where it comes from from. um but yeah in terms of like the little moments we're discussing um the hand holding in rwanda and uganda exists and a lot of cultures have it i think parts of iraq and things like that um you know but but they're not necessarily like let's let's make out and sure there's a line sodomize each other but it is interesting what the i feel like there's much more fluidity even with between men like as i've traveled I've, i've spent most of my time well a lot of time this past few years in italy and even there i mean which I would pr- I would say they're not I mean you, it's not as open it's not as okay to be gay there than it is here in America but there is such a fluidity in it, even just like proximity of closeness yeah just in fr- which I think is really lovely uh, I read that American culture again so almost maybe in this vein of statistics around the world that American culture uh, is one of the lowest has one of the lowest rates of touching in any form so families friends even lovers, right? And and I feel like anti-PDA is like a huge, like Americans love to be like, no PDA, right. ew. Yeah, like I'm a huge hugger, right? So I'm just like, hey, and like I'm big so I can get away with it. But like, <laughs> there's like it's a like lot an of exciting guys are just experience. like, no. Um, yeah, there's that thing and like the Christian side to hug music video kind of elucidated that point of like, come on guys, it's, but yeah, it's just like, no. 
But I, I, and I, 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 it's funny because I just remember the stat that Americans had the lowest, one of the lowest rates. But I'm thinking in my mind that like Russian culture or, or the Slavic countries would also be that way. Um, I can't speak to the hugability of Russians. The Finns, I think, were just like, um, right. I've heard Finnish friends kind of note that. Um, but yeah, they, they're Americans are huggier than the Finnish people and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of the hierarchy. But you had the mentioned hierarchy of hugs. Yeah. The hierarchy of hugs. That's your next project. Mm. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned uh, how male shaming is a really big thing here in America. Mm, compared to the, yeah. Oh, um, wait, like like women hating on men. Right, because it's like oh he's she's he's Man a lecher and yeah. um, oh so, he's gonna sleep around and that right. Means so it's blah, just blah, like blah. judged before they've even spoken. Peculiar even if they have. thing. Yeah, um, that's you do get that in other places, but it's like really pronounced in America where it's I, again like going back to our divorce conversation. It's this like cudgel that like a moment of non-monogamy is. It's like a cause for vengeance. Yeah, or and he sleeps like, around, so he's a pig, and right. that kind of a thing. Um, oh, a hus- yeah. hostility. Yeah. Ah. I mean, I feel like I, I you know what, I, yeah, you know what, there, I think there's a lot of um, projection of the ideal mate in America, and then we do value monogamy so much here that there is this expectation now, you're like you're hunting for someone who's going to be your permanent partner and representation and mirror of yourself. So then you've got a lot of standards that you're projecting, right? And I, and expecting from someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually when you let those go, you're kind of, I, I found, I mean, I, I think I started out on that trajectory the same way that any of us did growing up here. And then the more I sort of relax on that, the more I see beautiful people everywhere, men and women. And, and it's so true in well, college. Opens you, yeah. yeah, in college, my friends and I definitely sat around going, it's so hard to find a good guy. They're so difficult. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, they're bountiful. They're everywhere. Good guys are everywhere. Yay! <laughs> Which makes life very interesting. Yeah, loving, nurturing, people that are supportive. Yeah, well, but, but you know, this goes back to the, I also, what does love mean and how do we um, support each other? Or does it imply a support system? I mean, I think we were talking earlier about Europe. Now that they have a social system, healthcare, medical stuff, I mean, you know, I wonder if that atomizes the people and the expectation of, what your love bond means right, is different, like, is oh, altered. Like, am I going to lose your dental care now that we're having a fight? Which is actually a valid in America, concern in America. Yeah, in America, you've yeah. got to yeah, like build true. a pod. Yeah, we're, and we're working it out, and I can have that root canal soon. So. But, yeah, yeah other... I think it's all a trap. But it forces a nuclear relationship, right? Like you need you need each other to survive. So you're going to build this bond. You're going to build a house together to make sure you have everything you need, right? And the more you move away from that, like the more uh, individual services that you're not needing, the more you're able to not get married right away, not uh, have to stay together forever. I, I don't know. I even I'm not of, saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's it's really just how does economics impact sure. you know how we're defining love? I mean, maybe one love. feels more more free to cheat if if there's not so much weight in the you know oh well, I need to stay married to this person uh, you know and so if they're gonna divorce me for cheating I don't know it's just an idea. Go ahead. I mean, even Came the through. concept of cheating. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, calling it that? cheating. Like, sure. Because um, I, I I do have like polyamorous friends, and they still kind of maintain a monogamous structure within it. They'll mm-hmm. like, they'll have their primary person, and then kind of like you know two to three kind of satellite lovers, I guess you would right, call it. Sure. So it's still like very much a monogamous 
system. But it's still in, are you talking about in the, in the U.S.? Yeah, in the U.S. Like, I was going to say it's still within the American economic structure yeah. where mm. you need dental care. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, she's my primary, so I'll get the root canal and then, you know. <laughs> and I occasionally get to play over here. Right. It's, so it kind of maintains that order in its right. own neurotic I mean, American way. Like, yeah. And again, for, I was going to say for me, I, I've having dabbled in kind of these different structures, it's hard to, sorry, it's hard to maintain your daily life and have multiple players right but then that makes me also go again that's the american economic structure also right like if you're living in a different system a tribal community or whatever um then maybe it's easier to have polyamory where things just sort of float because there isn't yeah a daily structure where all oh, you have are certain you know yeah so i was and- in this little it was a small village and in western kenya and the friend of my male friend had died and he was like in his early 20s and so the village immediately like, or, or excuse me, um, yeah, so his male friend died and then the female was a, a widow. And so they immediately kind of moved to get her remarried mm-hmm. to someone else. Um, and she would be, of course, not the, the first wife, but it, the, it was from this level of compassion, really. Like, mm-hmm. well, she's young and beautiful and fertile. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I think, how it was described. And, like, she needs a life. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to match her with that guy over there because he can support her. So, yeah, it was within the economic and social structure of the village that this kind of very tragic and polyamorous or excuse me, polygamous um, result occurred. It was just it was just completely natural. It's like, oh, yeah, of course you would do that. Like you have to take care of each other. Yeah, it was like that when I was uh, talking to some people in Dubai. I mean, that's a lot of the. Well, some of the locals I spoke with said it was like that. And incidentally, how Mormon uh, polygamy also started. Hmm. It was to support people who'd lost their husbands in battle. Hmm. Anyway, just so saying. we have a, a, one last question for you. Yes, and this is hmm. maybe too impossible to answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I, we like a challenge. Would would you be able to say that? Or <clears throat> what's my question? Would you be able? Is there one country or culture that you would say is maybe the is more sexually liberal than or any other. Oh, I was going to say enlightened or, or or kind of gets it right. There you go. I mean, Whatever that's that very means. subjective. No, it is, but I but I'm saying gets it right according to King in comparison. I mean, the the Swedes are great at that, but you have to be Swedish, you know? Like mm, you have um, to be within. Right. So there is that exclusivity thing. Um that, like gets it right, so it's <laughs> well. I pu- I put that on there. You were just asking just, uh, where it's just more, yeah, more liberal, oh. like the least amount of hangups, or where, or yeah, you, got, you gotta go with the Dutch, you know, just like, <laughs> like tulips and wooden shoes and whatever, and yeah, and healthcare, and yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm going, guys. That's yeah. where you'll find me. <laughs> Like, like I'm sure the the conditions of the red light district in Amsterdam are horrible sure. for the, the women, but like sure, sure. when I was walking through there, there was like a cop distributing flyers of like if a pimp gives you problems, talk to the police. Mm. And this was like for the women, um, mm-hmm. so that even they had that recourse. And again, like there's the trafficking issues and all of that, but it just seemed to kind of accept and try to like deal with even like the extreme of prostitution rather than like acknowledging just it. like, well, that doesn't happen here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a one day wife permit and we're not going to talk about that. You know, it wasn't yeah. close to that. Uh, so yeah, you know, the, the answer is always going to be the Dutch. For <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the least judgment, right? I mean, I maybe it's embrace, coming from places of judgment. Here's the term I was looking for. Embraces sexuality the most. 
Dutch. Yeah, oh, per- personally speaking, I would say the Dutch. Yeah. I, I mean, there might be some island somewhere that I haven't yet been to, but you'll report back in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe our listeners could write him with suggestions of where he should go next. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that could up the ante. All right, King Drew. Thank you. Thank Thanks you so for much. Chatting this with is us. This beautiful is and super fun. Thanks for what you do to disseminate okay. wisdom to the to the world. Doing our Thank best. You. Doing our yeah. best. You can yeah. find you can find all of Mighty King Drew's work at mightykingdrew.com. You can tweet us at TA Sex Talk and, and visit our site www.pbwithta.com uh, to leave us a voice recording or uh, check out our blogs in general. All right. Ciao. Mm-hmm.